Good afternoon. Glad that you're here still and uh, want to talk a little bit about success. The title that I was given was Making Independent Moral Choices. And I have kind of retitled that standing alone because the idea is in our lives, there are times that you're going to have to stand by yourself for what's right. That's happened to all of us who are very old. There have been times in my life where I was the only one who was willing to stand up in a certain situation and say or do what I believed was right in that circumstance. And that's, that's a really important aspect of being successful in this life as a Christian. You know, success in life as a Christian, we all know, is not always being popular. It's not always having everyone like you. But it is always doing what God wants us to do. Fundamentally, you boil it all down, that's Christian success, is doing what pleases God. Now, we're going to talk about this guy named Daniel. And Daniel was from an area right over in here called Jerusalem. He was from this area. And, and the time that Daniel lived, there was a nation over here, Babylon. And Babylon had taken and conquered much of the known world at the time. They were the very first world superpower, so to speak. And when they came over and they conquered Jerusalem, they not only defeated the army of Jerusalem, but they laid waste to Jerusalem. They tore it down. They tore block from block. They tore the temple down. They did, just like ISIS does nowadays, they go into an area and they take over an area, not so much now, but they were a year or two ago. They'd go into an area and they'd destroy all the old church buildings, everything that they could destroy. And that's what Babylon did. And Babylon, when they were there, one of the things that they did to help keep other peoples under control is they would pick a few of the best and brightest of the nation that they captured. And they would take those young men with them back to Babylon. And when they'd go over and conquer Babylon, they would take some of these young men back and they would actually make them a part of the government. Now... I go to Ireland, I've been over there several times, and there's a church in Belfast that we go to. The very first time I went to Ireland, we talked to the, uh, the travel agent, and she said, so you want to go to Belfast, Ireland? Now, I don't, some of you who are my age or thereabout remember the Irish Republican Army, the IRA. And the hotel that we were booked in was one block from the most bombed hotel in the world at that time. But nowadays, we go to Ireland. I mean, there's murals on the walls about the IRA, but there's no violence to speak of. You know how they solved that? Back during the Clinton administration, his administration got involved in that, and one of the good things they did is they convinced the British government to incorporate some of these IRA leaders into the local government and give them government positions. And guess what happened? Peace. They quit fighting and rebelling against the government because now we are the government. And so that solved that. Well, that's kind of what Babylon did. One of the guys that Babylon took was a guy named Daniel. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at Daniel and when he stood alone. And there were times 
One of the things I want to spend a little bit of time in this lesson on is this. I believe successfully standing alone is not just having the courage to stand alone when it's called for, but it's having the wisdom to know when you need to take a stand and when you don't. Sometimes we get messed up. Sometimes we get crooked about that. Any of y'all ever hear of the Westboro Baptist Church? Y'all know who they are? Okay. They, they uh, are well known in America for picketing at the funerals of fallen U.S. soldiers. Things like that. They, they carry signs insulting everyone, you know, telling everyone they're going to hell. And uh, it's, it's, they're just very... Uh, abrasive, I guess is the term that I'm looking for, in the way that they fight. And they take up all kinds of issues and, and all kinds of battles that really uh, are just not where Christians need to be fighting our battles. And I believe for us to be successful in standing alone, one of the keys to that is you need to stand where it's important to stand and not take big stands on things that aren't that important. As I was told growing up sometimes, pick your battles. And I think there's wisdom in picking our battles. So we're going to look at some of the battles that Daniel fought and some of the battles that Daniel didn't fight that maybe we would be inclined to fight were we put in his position. Number one, Daniel didn't refuse everything. Here's a kind of a picture of Daniel before the king. And when you think about Daniel, you think about him standing up and praying when he was not supposed to pray and getting thrown in the lion's den and this great stand of faith he made and standing on. I'm sure that's an, a fundamental idea behind this topic. But there are a lot of things that Daniel was put through, that Daniel was asked to do, a lot of situations Daniel was put in that he didn't take some great stand of faith against, but instead he showed discretion and wisdom. And let's look at a couple of those. Number one, it says, Then the king, that was Nebuchadnezzar, instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles. So, Daniel was one of these guys who was chosen. The king said, you pick some of the children of Israel, the king's descendants, some of the nobles. Daniel was a part of that group that was taken. And you know what he was taken as? He was taken as a slave. Excuse me? A hostage. Slave, a POW, a prisoner of war. He became a slave in a pagan nation. Now, what would, what would you think about it if you were taken as a slave to a pagan nation? Would you rebel against that? Would that upset you? Would you be ready to take a big stand? You can't make us slaves! Why? Well, we're Americans, right? Well, or Daniel was one of the children of God. He was one of God's people. How dare this pagan nation take God's people and make them slaves? You know, Daniel wasn't running an underground railroad trying to break Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of slavery. His big issue, his big stand was never based on the fact that these guys were slaves. And I know in America, slavery is this dirty word, and, and I know there was a lot of ugly, ungodly stuff that went on during slavery in America. I, I'm, I would never defend that. 
But slavery is the way much of the world is run and has been run for centuries and centuries and centuries. And the Bible talks about slavery as a fact, as something that just existed. It doesn't talk about it as the social pariah that it is in America today is looked at. It was a functional way that many of our ancestors got to America. They became indentured servants to come to America, not just black people, but white people, Irish people, a lot of them came that way. Daniel didn't take some big stand against being a slave. I know to our sensibilities as people who value freedom above almost everything else, that would be a big place to take a stand, but it wasn't for Daniel. Another thing we notice, it says, Young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace. This is interesting to me. Do you know what Daniel ended up doing for about 70 years? For about 70 years, Daniel was the equivalent of the prime minister for the nation of Babylon first and then the Medo-Persian Empire after that. When the Medo-Persians captured Babylon, they took the prime minister and made him prime minister for them. So this guy didn't take a stand against being involved in pagan government service. Now, I know you start talking about government and politics in America, and people have real strong positions. Christians have real strong positions. And we've got people that think Christians ought to be out there picketing and, and getting out the vote and all this stuff to try to incorporate laws to promote Christianity. We've also got people that will tell you, Christian can't have anything to do with the government. The government's evil. The government's carnal. And we're spiritual. And we can't... That wasn't Daniel's position. Daniel was placed in a position of serving as an integral part of a pagan government, just like Joseph did in Egypt. For years and years, and he didn't take some big stand to stand alone against that. Next, notice this. It says, And whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. Now, that's interesting. You know what the language and literature of the Chaldeans incorporated, involved? It involved numerology. It involved astrology. It involved all kinds of things that were not godly. Now, we were homeschoolers. <laughs> we wanted to protect our kids from being taught all that stuff. You know what? There's nothing wrong if you have the freedom to make that choice. But they didn't take a big stand on education. Daniel didn't say, absolutely not. I'm not going to learn about numerology. That's ungodly. That's not what he did. He didn't take some big powerful standing alone against the pagan education institution of the day. You know what he did? He went to school and he learned that stuff. He learned what they taught him. He learned their language. He learned their, what's it say, literature. He learned all about their way of life, their culture, and the things that were involved in their world. He didn't take a stand on that. Now, education's a big deal in America today, isn't it? I mean, being sure you educate your kids. 
in a good way. We, te- we homeschooled and then we are part of a Christian school. I think there's some real bad stuff in some of the public education in our nation today. I really do. But I also believe you can raise godly kids that go to public schools. That can be done. You can raise godly kids that are homeschooled and godly kids in Christian schools. The place to take the big stand alone stand was not on education because that wasn't the central thing. The other thing I want to mention here that Daniel didn't refuse, and this was a hard one for me, would be, to them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah Shadrach, to Mishael Meshach, and to Azariah Abednego. So we know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego by their names, that were their Babylonian names that were given to them. Daniel, we call Daniel, but he was given the name Belteshazzar, which is interesting. Do you know what that name means? That word Belteshazzar, that name means the prince who Bel favors. You know who Bel was? Pagan deity. So his name was a, a word of praise for a pagan deity. He didn't refuse that name. Now, to me, if you were to start calling me Muhammad, <laughs> I'd have a problem with that. I'm not a Muslim. I don't believe in Muhammad. We don't find him taking any stand, any rejection against that. We don't find him having some throwdown with the prince of the eunuchs over the name that he was going to be called. He just accepted that. So look at all these things that Daniel didn't take a public stand against. He didn't take a stand against being a slave in a pagan nation. He didn't take a stand against being involved in service to a pagan government. He didn't take a stand against pagan education. He didn't take a stand against a pagan name. But he did stand alone. He did take a stand at times. You know what he took a stand on? Look at this. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies. You see, the guy who was in charge of all these young men who had been brought from Israel... That guy who was in, not just Israel, but all the other nations they captured, that guy was tasked with making these young men the best and the brightest. They needed to be healthy. They needed to be smart. They needed to have sharp minds. They needed to be capable guys. And one of the ways he did that was by feeding them the king's food, which actually included lots of things that the Bible that they had at the time, the book of Leviticus, specifically forbid a Jew from eating. Now when there's a verse, a passage that said, Thou shalt not eat this, guess what Daniel did? Not me. Not me. Now the guy who was in charge of all these young men said, I've got a problem with that, Daniel. Here's my problem. My problem is if I don't feed you this stuff and then you're not as sharp and as as clear-eyed and as sharp-looking and capable and as healthy as these other young men, I'm in trouble. And Daniel said, well, I tell you what, let's do a test. You feed us Jewish food 
for 10 days and you feed everyone else whatever they want. And at the end of 10 days, you, you test us and look at us and see if we don't look as good as everyone else and we're not as sharp as everyone else. And if we're not, then you can make us eat the other food. And at the end of 10 days, they looked better and they were sharper than all the other guys. My point here is this. He took a stand against forbidden food. He stood alone. Now, would you do that? And I said, well, yeah, I'd do that. But would you have the wisdom to do that and not that? That's the hard piece, right? That's the challenging piece for us, is have the wisdom to stand sometimes there's another time that he took a stand he stood alone and interestingly to me when we read the book of Daniel he was prime minister of this pagan nation for about 70 years we only read of two times in 70 years that he took some big noble moral stand on his own that was the forbidden food and you know what the other one was the other one was a result of jealousy not Daniel's jealousy, but other people's jealousy. They were very jealous of Daniel because of the position that he was in. And they knew they couldn't find anything wrong with him because of the guy that he was and the way that he lived. And so they convinced the king to pass a law that said people couldn't pray to anyone but the king for 30 days. And so the king says, well, this is a great idea. And, of course, they built him up about how great he was. And, yeah, yeah, I am great. Let's do that. And he passes this law. And you know what Daniel did when he heard about the law? It says, when Daniel knew, he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Daniel finds out. They say, hey, Daniel, the king passed another law. You can't pray to anyone but him for 30 days. Now Daniel, three times a day, would go to his room and he had the windows open toward Jerusalem and he would get down on his knees and he would pray to God. And when Daniel learned that the law was you couldn't do that anymore, Daniel went to his room, opened the doors toward Jerusalem, got on his knees, and he prayed. And the guys, as you can see in the picture, the fellows back there in the window, they knew Daniel would do that. That's why they trumped this whole thing up. They knew Daniel would do that because he had that kind of integrity. They knew he would say, why did Daniel do this? Why didn't Daniel just pray to the king or at least get on his knees and pretend to pray to the king while in his heart he's really praying to the true God? which I can see some of us making that choice, right? They don't know what God I'm really serving. The reason he didn't is because the Scripture says, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shalt thou serve. He wasn't going to do it. He wasn't going to stand against what God specifically told him to do. Once again, he stood against forbidden prayer. The big point that I want to get here right now is this. God's people do stand alone when obeying man requires them to disobey God. But God's people do not stand alone when they can obey God and obey man too. 
when you can do both, as a Christian, you should do both. When you can't do both, then you always choose God. Does that make sense to you all? So if they pass a law in Denton, and it becomes a law in the state of Texas, in the city of Denton, that's upheld by the Supreme Court, that it's a legal law, that it's against the laws of the city of Denton to talk to people about Jesus in the public park. Can't go to any of the public parks and talk about Jesus. You know what would probably happen next week in the public parks? Yeah, it'd be loads of people from all the churches around standing out there talking to people about Jesus and civil disobedience for our Christian rights. But I'll tell you, that's against what Daniel did. That's not the way Daniel lived. That's not a law against preaching Jesus. It's just saying don't preach about Him in the public park. Can you still teach about Jesus? Yeah, I can sit in my car in the parking lot and preach about Jesus. I can go to Starbucks and preach about Jesus. I can come into this building. Now, if they pass a law that says, like they tried to do to the apostles in Acts 5, don't speak in the name of Jesus anymore. That's different. You see, I can't obey man and God. But when I can obey man and obey God, that's what God expects me to do. It's what God expects you to do as a Christian. Whether it's something that uh, maybe is offensive to us or not is not the issue. Now, learning to stand alone, when you do stand alone, I want to very briefly cover just a couple of things here. Number one, you need to realize if you're going to stand alone that you're really never alone. You're just not. Scripture says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Now that's God talking to Jeremiah, but I'm going to tell you something. God knew you before you were born. He knew you before you were created in the womb. You ever think about that? That God has known you since before He created you? He has. He's known you and loved you since before you even began to exist. And the Scripture also says this, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's what God says. You know what? When you stand alone, you're not alone. If you're the only one at that party who says, no, I'm not going to drink, or no, I'm not going to do drugs, or no, I'm not going to smoke that, you're not the only one there not drinking, doing drugs, or smoking. God's with you. And He's not drinking, doing drugs, or smoking. God is with you. When you take a stand for what He commands of you, for what He requires of you, when you take that stand... You are never, ever alone in that. Number two, it takes courage to take a stand by yourself. It does. It's not easy to do. Scripture tells us the righteous are bold as a lion. If you're righteous, you will be bold. It will take boldness. It takes courage to be the only one who won't do something. It takes courage to be the one that nobody ever invites to go out with the group after work because they know you're going to be a killjoy because you're not going to want to tell the dirty jokes and you're not going to want to laugh at the things and you're not going to want to go the places they go and you're not going to want to drink while everyone else is drinking. And it takes courage to be that one. And it's courage that all of us at times have not had, right? But it's courage 
that God motivates or calls us to. David said this, When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. You know the secret to courage? The secret to courage is knowing that you're not alone. That you're not fighting this battle by yourself. When I was a, a young man, there was a movie called The Bodyguard or My Bodyguard or something like that. And there was this little scrawny kid and there was a great big kid. And this great big kid during part of the movie was the bodyguard of this little kid. And you know what the little kid did? He ran around smarting off to everybody because he wasn't the least bit worried because he had his bodyguard with him, right? This big kid that no one would mess with. Well, God's not your bodyguard, so to speak. But God is the one who's going to take care of you. And when you stand up and you stand alone, you stand for what's right, even though you may suffer some consequences, it takes courage to do that. But you can have that courage because you know you're standing with one that matters more than the people you're standing against. Know you're standing with God. In Acts 5, they were beaten and told, don't go and preach in the name of Jesus anymore. And their answer was this. We must obey God rather than men. Realize that when you have to stand alone for something that's based on the Word of God, that you're doing that because you're standing there with God. Scripture says if God be for us, who can be against us? If the entire... Does it seem to you like America's gone crazy in some ways? I mean, I hear stuff... Every day that Carrie and I look at each other and go, where are we living? What is going on? All the time I think that. You know what? If everyone else aligns against us, they're still the minority. Because if God's for us, who can be against us? You have the courage to stand alone because you're not alone. You're standing with God. And finally, the fourth thing... Understand that someday you will stand alone before God. And this is where we find true success. Scripture says this, It is appointed for man to die once, but after this the judgment. You will die. For some of you it may not be very long. For some of you it may be many, many, many years. But you're going to die. We're all going to die. Everyone's going to die. And when you die, you will stand before the judgment. And I'll tell you what, I love this church. I mean, this church is my family. You guys are my family. But we're not going to stand before God as the Denton Church of Christ or the Anna Street Church of Christ. That's not the way we stand before God. I will stand before God as me. Even our, our nuclear blood family. Carrie and I, Jesse has a new nuclear family now with Dustin and Adeline. But Jacob, Jacob's not going to stand there with Dad. Jacob's going to stand in front of God by himself. Alone. Alone by himself with God. Scripture says this, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, 
whether it be good or bad. Every one of us is going to stand in front of God by ourselves. That's why we stand alone here. Because we're standing with Him. And if we're standing with Him, when we stand alone in front of Him, we will have one that will be with us. Because Jesus Christ said, If you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father which is in heaven. So your final alone moment, you're going to have an advocate. That advocate is Jesus Christ and He will be with you. And I want you to know that is success. Right there. That is success. And so, in summary, only stand alone when you must stand alone. Don't need to build those muscles. Don't need to cry wolf. Don't need to stand alone about politics and all these other stuff in the world. It's not what God specifically told us to stand alone about. Then when you do are called to stand alone, know that you're not really alone. Be courageous because you're standing with God with the knowledge that someday you will stand alone before God, the Almighty Judge. I hope you've been encouraged, and I hope you have a little clearer picture of what success is and how it calls you, at times, to stand by yourself, although you're not really by yourself, before God. It may be your family you have to stand up to. It may be your job. A couple of weeks ago, I don't have your permission to use this, Jeremy, but I'm going to anyway. Jeremy's bosses came to him and they said, Jeremy, we've had a change. You're going to have to work every sun- Sunday this summer. You know what Jeremy did? He said, I'm, that's fine if that's what you all want to do, but you're doing it without me. And he quit his job and he went and found another one. He took a stand. He stood by himself for what was right. And I'm proud of Jeremy for that. That's what we need is people who will stand. All of us have moments and times in our lives. There will be moments you need to stand. You need to stand for yourself because yourself is standing with Jesus Christ. And it may have nothing to do with the job. Yours may be with your family. It may be with your kids. We were in a situation one time helping somebody with a kid that was just very wayward. And doing all kinds of ungodly things. And that family took a stand against that ungodliness. Carrie told me after that, she said, I want you to know if that's ever one of our kids, I'll fight you. She said, but make me do it anyway. Because it's right. Stand with Jesus. Stand with God. If you have a spiritual need, we always offer an invitation to help you with that. If you'll make that known while we stand and